Basketball fans, welcome to another edition of the Golden Breakdown. We've got Travis Diener in the house, ready to go through that Villanova game with us. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at the Golden Break. We got Dr. Keegan dropping data on you constantly. And especially over this kind of stretch here, I think we've got like maybe 10 days or something like that before our next game. Uh, there's a lot of stuff for us to review, a lot of things for us to analyze. So make sure you give us the follow on Twitter. Now let's get into that game against Villanova. All right, we're here with Travis Steiner breaking down that Villanova game. Uh, tough, real tough. Uh, let's get into the first 10 minutes. Really the best probably of the game, especially at least offensively for Marquette. Um, you know, Travis, it seems like, and I've seen this every game now, the first couple of possessions, there is a concerted effort to get the ball into the block. Uh, why is that important for this offense to work? Well, I think uh, initially the, the strength of this team is with the size and the guys they can post up. And, you know, Theo in the last few weeks has developed into a threat down there in scoring. And obviously with Dawson and, and Justin, you know, Justin doesn't start the game, but I think there's a concerted effort to get those guys touches early. I think good things happen when that, when that occurs. And I think that's a point of emphasis within the, you know, within the program to get those guys touches early and try to get some easy baskets, maybe, you know, draw some fouls. So, you know, I, I like the, the strategy and, it, you know, the first, you know, Marquette came out ready to play tonight. You know, it was a, it was a great first four minutes, great first eight minutes. You know, it looked like it was going to be a, you know, back and forth game, but uh, unfortunately it didn't work out that way. Well, and especially, I mean, we went four for five in the first like eight minutes of the game from the arc. And I thought we were doing a really good job of breaking the three quarter press. We were getting a lot of those threes when we were kind of speeding the ball up the court and beating that, which to be honest with you, that was the first time I really felt like we did well against any sort of not maybe a full court pressure or three quarter. What, what did you see differently tonight in the way, at least in the first 10 minutes of this game, they were getting through that three quarter. Yeah. Initially it, it looked good and we were getting good looks. I think as you've seen throughout the, this season and years in the past turnovers have been a problem and it, it bit us in the butt again tonight. So I think it's crucial that, you know, you want to play fast the, the way, you know, Wojo's system is is great for guys because he gives them a lot of freedom and there's uh, offensive, you know, freedom to do kind of what you want. But with with that, you know, you have to take care of the ball. And unfortunately, you know, turnovers have been a problem this year. And when you play fast or faster, you know, turnovers are more likely to occur. So, you know, there's kind of, we've got to kind of find the balance of when to push it, when to know you have an advantage, time to score, things like that. Because, you know, Villanova is a team where, you know, if you don't take care of the ball, because they do at an ex- you know, extremely high level, they're going to make you pay. So it was, it was unfortunate that, you know, we kind of kept turning the ball over, but you know, it's it's a, they're a tough matchup. I thought I I was actually surprised with you know with the outcome of the game today. 
Interesting you talk about sort of the turnovers because, you know, after we had that hot start, uh, it was 2017 at about the 10-minute mark. And in a matter of two minutes, the score flips and we go down 25-22. Lewis turnover, he fouls somebody. Garcia turnover, we go back, there's no help on D. Kane comes up, throws up a wild shot. I mark that as a turnover in my book. I, when I see something like that, we may as well just call it a turnover. And, and, and they, they jump into the lead. I also felt like Villanova really stepped up their aggressiveness on defense. And they really came out to attack the ball. I felt higher out at the arc because they were adjusting. We were hitting threes. And they were coming out to pressure us. It was throwing us out of our system. When a defense gets you out of what you're comfortable doing, what do you need to do as an offense to adjust to that? You have to stay poised and, and under control. Initially, I think it was it was pretty easy for Marquette to move the ball, get open shots, and then you know these great teams have a, have another level. And I would think I think Villanova's on that threshold of being a great team this year. Obviously, in the past few years, they've been the best team in the country this year. I don't know if they're there yet, but they're a great team. And when things aren't going the way they want them to go, they're going to enforce their will. They're going to enforce, you know, how they play and they're going to make you adjust to that. And they did that tonight. It was easy for Marquette early. I think in the last 30 minutes of the game, it became very difficult. That's where you've got to be really poised. That's where experience, maturity, you know, pass, move the ball. You can't just take, quick shots, bad shots. You have to work the ball, try to get the best shot possible and you can't be in a hurry and not turn the ball over. So unfortunately for us, it was a, it was a tough night. It was a learning experience for a lot of these young guys, but you know, no excuses. We're, we're old in, in a lot of places as well. So, you know, guys like Kobe have to play better uh, because he is that guy in the backcourt that has a lot of, you know, game experience. So, you know, ultimately it falls on, you know, guys got to step up and play better. This, this was for me surprising because it was a, it was a, an opponent that I thought we'd play well against, you know, I don't classify Villanova as extremely physical or big. So I thought we matched up pretty well. So, you know, disappointing, but you know, it's a learning experience when you got, you know, young guys that are your focal point of the team and going forward, you know, this is a, a learning experience. So all in all, I think, we can take a lot out of this and, and hopefully, you know, regroup because, you know, there's no time here. Every game, these games happen so quickly. So it's a, you gotta, you gotta take it on the chin and get better and, and hopefully, you know, learn from, from these experiences quickly. In the first half, the first 10 minutes they played man. And then in the second 10, they went to a zone, which we don't really see a lot of. And against the zone, they really stopped Villanova. They were in eight possessions that they played zone. Nova only scored twice. But there really seemed to be some struggling in the man offense. And whether you call it in the first 10 or in the second half, we kept losing Gillespie uh, coming off of pick and rolls or off the ball. And something we had talked about on Twitter this week is it seems like defensively when we're off the ball, we are sagging off shooters. We saw this in the game against Xavier, that dagger scrugs hit in the corner. Kobe was standing under the hoop, hugging the helpline. That happened a lot tonight as well. Is that a player losing where he's at on the court? Or is that defensive strategy to say, you got to stay on this helpline and you got to make sure you're helping off the dribble drive? Like what's player, what's coach there? Because sometimes it's kind of hard, I think, for the average fan 
to, to know one, one way or the other. But I think the zone first to answer your first comment, I think the zone worked early and made Villanova slow down and, and take some shots. And we got some stops and then ultimately like great, great teams do with a lot of experience and, and smart high IQ guys, they figured it out and got wide open shots. And Gillespie is a guy that's a high percentage guy. So if you give him open looks, it's, it's lights out. He's a great player, but I think, you know, you have to know your personnel. You got to know who you're guarding. So if you're guarding a guy like that, you know, you got to kind of give him a half step, step more uh, towards him rather than being the help side. So it's, it's a, uh, it's more on, you know, knowing the personnel and who you're guarding. If you're guarding a non-shooter, you can obviously help more. So I think it's just knowing who you're guarding. You want to give help. Ultimately, if, if you give up straight line drives and one, two dribble, you know, straight line to the hoop, there's no defense that's can be prepared for that. So you got to have great on ball pressure. You got to have great on ball defense and not let those straight line drives. And then when the help does come, you got to rotate. And we didn't do a good job rotating tonight and left the wrong guy open too many times. And Villanova shoots a high percentage. So, you know, you got to rotate fast. You got to be quick. You got to play hard. You got to play aggressive. And I don't think we, we did that for 40 minutes tonight, uh, maybe for 10. Yeah, and I and I feel like the last couple games we've really struggled defensively. Woe just talked about it in his post games. What's the what does this team need to work on over the next eight days in their defense? What are the things that you think if you were coaching the squad, you'd really focus on in the next you know eight to ten days? What well, I don't think it's so much as you know you can play man zone if you're not giving the the effort that is needed, no defense is going to work. You can try a thousand defenses. So that's what was kind of disappointing tonight is uh, it just seemed really kind of easy. You know, even, you know, maybe in the first 10 minutes, it wasn't uh, as easy, but I think that was because our offense was, was well in those first 10 minutes. So maybe we weren't looking at the defense as much, but against a team like Villanova, a top five team in the country, you'd, you'd hope that you'd come out with a lot of energy, a lot of effort. You would be overly aggressive, maybe committing fouls that are unnecessary, but that wasn't the case tonight coming off two losses too. I, I, you know, I, I thought we were going to win the game tonight. So, and not to say like it was an easy prediction to say Marquette was going to going to win, but I thought it'd come down to the last four or five minutes. Like every game, ha every high major opponent against Marquette is, is done this year. It's, it's always come down to the last four or five minutes. And I thought that was going to happen tonight. Yeah, no, the effort tonight were, on defense was really bad. At one point, I wrote in my notes, I'm so mad, I'm going to stop writing. Because I'm just, it would, it's hard to watch that. It's hard to see that effort. And one thing that I thought really hurt us tonight is I felt like we just, like, were automatically switching everything. And, and almost like we weren't fighting overs. And, and we got caught in a lot of mismatches. Theo John, at one point in the second half, he had a point where Gillespie hit a three because he was sort of looking at the ball on a switch, lost him there. And then in the very next possession, he comes up and guards Gillespie like he should. And Gillespie goes right by him. We got caught in a lot of mismatches tonight. Do you think that that was, that was effort? Cause to me, it felt like that. I felt like we could have done more to get over the top of some of those. I think like, I think when you have a team like Marquette and defensively, you can switch a lot because of the athleticism and length and guys that have size so you know in years past when you have you know Marcus and and Rousey to name a couple guys who are undersized switching is impossible because 
of the lack of size and length. I think this team, you can do, you can be creative and switch because, you know, those guys can guard uh, bigger guys. And I think Theo is capable of guarding ones and twos as is Dawson and Justin. So I think they just got to do a better job of sitting down and making guards take tougher shots. You know, you, you challenge them to tough shot and you challenge late. And then the, the guards fight for, you know, fronting the post or, you know, trapping the post or whatever the, you know, defensive scheme may be. So it is a team that should be good defensively. It's just when things come easy offensively, as it did the first 10 minutes, as it has, as it did against Xavier, as it did against Creighton, you, you kind of get, you know, a little, little lackadaisical defensively because you know you think or you know that on offense things are going to be easy and that's natural for basketball players it's happened many a times in games I've played where it becomes so easy offensively you just you think okay we can give up two points here we're going to get a great, great shot down down on the other end we're going to get a wide open three a, a dunk so you got to fight against that and against Villanova that's the wrong team to come out with that uh, sort of attitude I, I would say. So to you, when you look at this team defensively, you see more of an effort problem than a strategic coaching issue. I would always lean towards that. I think defense is all effort and energy and aggressiveness. Uh, it's easy to point fingers at, at the coaches and, and all that. But I think it's, it's coming out and trying to execute a game plan. And whatever that game plan is, it's on you to play aggressive and attentive, have uh, understanding of the game plan, but more importantly, have an understanding of who you're guarding and what the personnel is on the, on the, on the court. You know, I was, as you guys know, I was on staff with Wojo and, you know, there's no lack, you, you have a, you have an understanding of who you're guarding. You know, it's, it's point blank on the game plan. Like this is what he does. So, you know, for young guys and look, I was a college player too. It's hard to, to have that focus and that, the concentration to know, you know, pretty much you should know every guy in the court and what they can do. So when you're on defense, when you're help side, oh, I'm guarding Gillespie. He's a knockdown three point shooter. You better close out hard. You better lean towards him. Or you're guarding a guy that shoots 25, 30% on wide open threes. You can help more. And that's, that's maturity. And that's happens with time. And, you know, sometimes you have to take your lumps with, with that kind of stuff. And you hope that, you know, by getting your, you know, getting your ass kicked, that you'll learn the hard way. Mm -hmm. uh, in the first 10 minutes of this game, first half of this game, Torrance, Samir Torrance had a stretch where he only played like three minutes because he had just three or four really, really bad possessions in a row. When a guy's struggling like that and having a tough time, he's had a tough year. Um, and I know he's had some injuries. He's been battling. Uh, what are some things that, as a player, you used to do to get yourself out of a funk? It happens. It happens to the best players in the world. Uh, it happens to guys in college. It, has, it happens to guys in high school. It's, you just got to continue to work. And, you know, I think people or, or players nowadays, or, and I think probably throughout time, first off, look for excuses and, and play the victim. And I'm not saying he's doing that at all. I, I don't know yeah. at all. Yeah. But it's, it's, oh, I'm not, maybe I'm not doing this. I'm not getting this chance. I'm not, I don't get a lot of shots, things like that sort. And it's, I've had that, I've had that goes, uh, as a player, that's happened to me too. Like you naturally want to blame somebody, but you have to continue to work and know that your work is going to pay off at the end. It's not just going to be a, you know, you flip the switch and all of a sudden you're going to be great again. It's, it's going to happen, but you got to continue to work. You got to be a good teammate know that your time is going to come at some point where your teammates are going to need you. 
and he's got to do that and he's got to fight through it whether it's uh whether he thinks it's on him or on a teammate or teammates or on the coaching staff it's ultimately it's on him to play better and to be really maybe blunt you know it's it's happened to everybody and you just gotta you gotta fight through it and you gotta play better and that's that's the beauty about basketball in sports is I think the, the greatest challenge is it, you're always going to be faced with some sort of adversity. And when you come through it and, and you beat it, it's, it's very, very satisfying. So end of the first half, 30, 36, we're only down six. I thought that was a pretty good position for some of the things that we really struggled with. You know, after hitting four for five from the arc, after that, we were 0 for six. 0 for 5 from the free throw line. And when Kane came out and just crushed that three right out of the half, I was like, here we go. Um, but again, then we have two plays in a row where Theo John uh, gets lost on defense. I thought this was a game he really struggled with tonight. I thought this was one of his tougher games. I know he's also battling a knee injury. Uh, he's been struggling. I thought, you know, he's always going to give the effort, but you could tell he was just a step slow tonight. Did you see that at all in his game? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I've seen that. You've seen that consistently throughout the year where, you know, we talked about switching and, and he is more than capable. I think he's, you know, he's hobbled a little bit by that. And that's where you're seeing guys that are getting by him. Uh, he's a lot easier than maybe they would if, if he was completely healthy. And I think it's something that's bothering him and he's going to have to fight through it or, you know, whatever the case. I, I mean, I don't know, but you can tell he's not the same. You know, he's given him a lot on, you know, he's been better in the post and getting, you know, good buckets and finishing better. But defensively, uh, just maybe a split second slower because of the knee. And, you know, in games like this, you need those you need those seniors to play well. You need Theo to play well. You need Kobe to play better. Uh, I thought Jamal was, was good, you know. But, you know, when you're playing a top five team in the country, you need all that you need your older guys to play well and you need your older guys to be consistent. You need your older guys to set the tempo, uh, set the pace and, and set the mindset. So, you know, I know he's battling, uh, but hopefully this, this little mini break here will give him a little rest uh, that he needs. Let's talk a little bit about Kobe. I think he was like two for 10 tonight from the field and he really struggled in the second half. Um, you know, I feel like with Kobe, he's better when he feeds off the offense. Like, I don't think he should always be the first option on this team. I think he does better when he gets the ball off a dribble drive or a play is run to him. What do you think we can do? Because Kobe has these games. They showed a stat at the beginning. He'll score 20 and then a single digit. Every double digit game he's had, he's followed it with a single digit game. There's been just inconsistency from him, not even just this year, really throughout his career. He's clearly has talent. The, the guy can score. There, there's clearly some really great offensive qualities he has. What do you think we could do to kind of better put him in a position to be the best player he can? Well, I, I think you, you kind of hit it. You don't want to, as a player, you don't want to force stuff just to, to get going. I think throughout the offense, and there's plenty of opportunities with with the system that Wojo runs where he's going to get enough touches to get his shots, get his opportunities. And, you know, to be honest, there's going to be games where you're not, if you're the, and I'm not saying he is the number one option, but if you are the number one option, teams are going to take stuff away. So you have to be, you have to be mature enough to make the right decisions. And maybe that is a game where you go, you know, four for seven instead of taking 12 shots and you have, 
five assists. So along with being a scorer is, is also making the right decisions to, to get your teammates involved. And he's going to have the ball in his hands to make plays. But I think throughout, through the offense, he'll get enough touches where he doesn't need to force things. He doesn't need to hunt shots. They're going to come. And if, if things do break down as they do throughout the game, and throw possessions where the shot clock's winding down, then he can, then you can take a challenge shot because, you know, that's what's going to happen. So he's got to be better. And I think making decisions and when to take a shot or not take a bad shot. And that just comes with, he's in a different role this year. Let's, let's be honest. He hasn't had this role since probably a few years ago when he was at Utah state. And even then you, you can't at this level at the, playing in the big East on a team like Marquette, who's I think really talented, you can't be a volume shooter. You have to make the most of your opportunities. You got to shoot a high percentage, which he did early in the year. He was shooting, I think as of a couple of games ago, I saw the, the numbers he was shooting close to 50%. I think in the last couple, he's, he struggled a little bit. So that's probably come down, but you know, making the most of your opportunities and, if one game you're going to score 25, that's great. But there's other games where teams are going to take stuff away and you have to, you have to be mature enough to make the right decisions. Speaking of taking stuff away, I talked about how in the beginning of the game, we made that conservative effort to get to the post. When I went back through my possession catalogs, I, I like to catalog the possessions and just sort of see what we do. We really didn't go back to the post. Did you feel like Villanova took that away from us? Or do you think we gave up on kind of getting the ball back into the inside? I don't know if we gave up on it. I thought Justin struggled again tonight. So that's one guy that you consistently throw the ball down to. And if, if he's not scoring or not making the right decisions, then it's hard to keep going back. Dawson's still a freshman. I think Dawson is a, a incredible talent. I think with another year and added strength and confidence to, to get down there, he'll initiate more contact. I like as a freshman that he does, but with, you know, that added strength and practice, and he's going to be a monster even next year. So, and then Theo's obviously been hobbled and you like to throw it down to him, but you know, I don't think it was, I think we made a concerted effort to throw those guys early. And then as guards and, and guard play, if things aren't going well, you can't really just try to take things in your own hands and get back 10 points in one possession or, or try to play hero ball. So it's, there's a uh, fine line between being really aggressive and, and making the right decisions or you know, trying to execute a game plan and getting it down low or, or whatever Wojo was, was trying to get accomplished you know, early in that game or throughout that game. In a second half like that, you're getting crushed. And we've, you know, I'm sure you've been in games like that where the game is just getting away from you. And it was frustrating as a fan to see guys kind of start to just, you could tell they're just kind of going through the motions of the game. What do you think that locker room is like tonight after a game like that? Well, it, they, they should be embarrassed to, to be honest. I, I've, I've been in that situation. I mean, let's be, I've played a thousand games. So you get your ass kicked. Uh, you, you just, you want to like, it happens regardless, you know, you, you can play, you can play really hard and get your ass kicked. That's, that's sports. And that's happened too. And, that, but then you can go in the locker room and they're like, all right, they were just a lot better than us tonight. You know, we played hard. They were just a lot better tonight. I don't know if that was the case tonight. So that's, what's kind of disappointing is, is, you know, early in the second half, midway through the second half, we're getting our butts kicked. And then, 
you know, Wojo did something that I thought was great is he subbed, he made a, a hockey line sub uh, in yeah. the second half and went with, you know, Osu and Samir and Dexter and, and Greg. And I think he kept, I think he kept Dawson in. Kept Dawson in, yeah. So I thought that sent the message like, look, if you guys aren't, we're, we're going to get, we're going to get our butts kicked anyways. We're just going to try something different to, to send a point to, to these older, these upperclassmen and the guys who are the future of the program as well, that like, this is unacceptable. So I don't think, you know, in the locker room tonight, Wojo has to say much. I hope as, as competitors, as players, as guys that represent the, you know, Marquette university, that they're really disappointed with the effort. And that's really, I think that should be what is the, the attitude in the locker room after the game. I felt like the Seton Hall game was also an effort game um, where we just didn't come to play. I thought Xavier was a battle. That was a completely different game. You know, losing that one probably wouldn't have felt as bad if it wasn't after the Seton Hall game where we didn't play well and didn't have a lot of effort. And now with this Villanova game bookended with two games where effort is, was, was an issue. Do you think that has more to do with maybe just being overwhelmed as a young team? Because even if you take DJ – He's kind of a freshman in the sense, I mean, he only played a few games at Ohio State. He didn't play a ton when he was over there. You know, th this is a, do you think that this is just more like maybe these guys are overwhelmed in the moment, this up and down? Is that an age thing? Like, do you see them growing out of it by the time we get to February? I do. And that's, you know, obviously the mood was a lot brighter last time I talked to you guys. <laughs> but I think, Marquette will play its best basketball in February and March. And some of that is experience. Some of that is they're going to grow up. And some of it is like, this is a, I, I hate making excuses for, for teams because everyone's going through the same kind of deal where, you know, this, this virus and, and being in a bubble kind of, you know, not being able to see, you know, people and, and play in front of fans. That's it's hard. I, I would never, it's a, it's a, to be honest, it's a horrible experience for these kids. I mean, imagine beating Wisconsin at home on a, on a buzzer beater and there's nobody in the stands. I mean, that would be, that would have been like the pinnacle of my college career. It was my senior year. We beat Wisconsin. It's like my favorite game I played in and they did that and there's no experience or they go on the road at Creighton and they win against the top 10 team in Creighton, which is a, one of the harder places to play in the country. And maybe with fans, it's, it's a different result, but still, these experiences are a little different for these guys, for everybody. So it's, I try to have, you know, a little sensitivity to what they're going through, but at the end of the day, you know, they're going to have to grow up a lot quicker than most kids do. And that's, that's how college athletics is, especially basketball and football, where these guys are in the limelight and social media is so prevalent where, you know, you don't play well, you're, you know, and we're doing a podcast about it. So when I was, <laughs> this didn't exist. So I could play bad and, um, I didn't have any, I mean, these guys are going to hear about all this stuff. So it's, it's just a different, you know, day and age, but, you know, ultimately they're going to have to, going to have to play better. And, you know, I think they will like to go back to my first point, the, Marquette will play its best basketball at the end of this year, because they're going to get better with, with experience. I, I think that's a great point about everything that's going on. And like you said, not to make excuses, but this truly is a unique environment even if you think about when they're not playing basketball, it's not like you can leave the residence halls. It's not like you can go out and make a bunch of new friends. 
everyone is separate. You can't go to Angelo's and grab a drink with anyone. Like you don't have that like Marquette experience too. I mean, like we, the three of us all being alumni here, that was also another part of it too. Like you were part of the city. You were meeting a lot of people. You're in class. Like, I don't even know how much these kids have been in class. I think Marquette was all online in this, in this first semester. I think that's a really good point because when you're looking at an 18 and 19 year old and you're looking at their focus and their personal lives mixing into their professional ones on the court, I I can see how that may be really difficult. So maybe giving them some props for a condensed schedule. You didn't have a lot of those easier teams that you typically see on a college basketball schedule to open. I mean, you went through a buzzsaw of top 10 teams right off the bat. I think you're right. Maybe we do need to think about giving this team at least a little bit of breathing room and space as we kind of move through this season. Absolutely. And like we said, there's this schedule has been brutal. They've played 10 games and off the top of my head, probably you played Eastern Illinois in Green Bay and maybe one, the first game of the year. So Arkansas Pine Bluff, those were the three. I I would bet that the, the other seven are making the tournament and you beat a top 10 team who's in Wisconsin, who's a legit final four contender. You beat Creighton on the road. Who's a top 15 team. I would think Uh, don't love them, but I, I think talent wise, they're right there and you lose a lot of close games. So I think it's been brutal. These first, four games of conference you're playing Creighton who's was projected second would be my guess Villanova's projected first Seton Hall's and Xavier probably projected top five or six so it's been a brutal schedule it's going to ease up you know some of these teams in the Big East I think are very beatable and I think Marquette will find its ground and in string together victories in the heart of the season so I'm not as I'm disappointed in in tonight's game as as a as a alumni as a former player as a guy who's totally invested in the program but you know you I don't I don't look at these games as as I'm a fan I think as a fan you get a little too emotional and I think you know there's still a lot of there's a lot of brightness in this in this team and the future is good and I think we'll be playing our best basketball when it really matters the most and these guys will get better and like we were talking about, this experience is so unique for them. Like They're not going to have fun. They're probably going back. I mean, they're going back to a bubble. They're going back to a hotel that they're all staying in together. And they're not, you know, they're not seeing their families. You know, my parents came to every single game I played in with, with maybe exception of two road games. I mean, so that matters. I mean, whether you want to say that's, uh, you know, these kids got to be tougher, which, you know, I was, I think I consider myself a, a tough player. And I think a lot of guys are soft, but you know, not to, ha- if I wouldn't have had my parents or my sisters or, or people that are, I was close to come to my games, that would have affected me too, in a different way, I think. So I try to have a lot of sensitivity to what they're going through and just hopefully that, you know, this little break, and I don't know what their schedule is, if they're e- even allowed to go home for a couple of days and, and see family, but you know, you just try to be cognizant of, of what they're going through and try to, you know, just keep cheering them on and, and, you know, things will change. So speaking of uh, those bright spots you were talking about, one thing that I've really liked about this year is how Theo and his free throw shooting and his touch on the block 
seems to have greatly improved. Um, what are some of the things that you've noticed that he's done differently in his shooting stroke and when he gets the ball down there on the block? Yeah, he's been, yeah, if, if you had to watch the first three years, you know, he was, you probably labeled him. He's, well, he's a great defensive player. He blocks a lot of shots, physical presence, uh, you know, built like a, he's built really well. And now this year he's become a real option down there to throw the ball to and get a basket, taking advantage of mismatches. And more importantly, you know, cause those guys are going to get fouled a lot to make free throws at a, at a 65 to 70% level, because that's free points. And, you know, he's even stepped out and made a few threes this year, which I think was a shock to everybody. That's, that's a credit to him though. And, and how hard he's worked and, you know, the freedom that, you know, Wojo has given these guys to really expand their, their offensive package. And that's why I think it's appealing so much to play at Marquette and, and, and play for Wojo is the offensive freedom that you are allowed. And people don't get that at every school. And I think it's a, it's a prime recruiting tool that, Hey, look, we got guys that can, that have gotten better that are allowed to expand their game. So uh, I'm very impressed with Theo's office, offensive packages here. I think he's like we talked about earlier. I think he's battling a, the, the knee, and that that hinders him a little defensively, which has been his strongest point uh, throughout his first, you know, through his first three years. I want to ask you a question about Jay Wright? I mean, it's hard not to be impressed with his coaching, and I think the thing that, as just a basketball nerd, that I love, I love the way that they ball fake, shot fake, swipe through, move the ball. Those like small things that I don't think the average person sees in a way an offense is run is so important to the way a system works. Can you talk a little bit about those ball skills and how important it was to you as a player uh, to be on some of the good offenses that you were? Yeah, he does. He does an incredible job. I think I remember seeing like 30 minutes of a, of a shooter under a practice when I was on staff there and he, they drill it consistently. It's the, it's the ball fake pass fake. It's what they do really good. That's really a, a small detail, but incredibly important to basketball is they always two, they, they two feet and they jump stop and you can't get in trouble that way. If you get in the paint, two feet, jump stop, pivot, make the right pass, shoot it. And they do that better than any team in the country by far. And that's why they're, that's why they don't turn the ball over. That's why they get good shots. That's why they get wide open shots. It's, it's not because they're, I don't think necessarily they're the most uh, talented group every year. Now the teams that have won national championships are talented. Look, let's not, I mean, you have to have basketball is made by players and he's a great coach. Don't get me wrong, but you have to have talent, but he does a great job of drilling those guys and, and making, being really fundamental, not turning the ball over, not wasting possessions, even if you do turn it over, it's not a live ball turnover. So you're not throwing it away and guy and the other team's coming down for a two on one fast break or a three on two and getting a wide open dunk or a wide open three. It's, it's more so, you know, two foot, you know, maybe we throw it out of bounds or something like that where we can still set our defense. So he does a great job. You don't win over. I think I saw over 600 games in, in two national championships without drilling fundamentals and, without really recruiting McDonald's all Americans, he's kind of gotten away from that. You know, he's, he did it early on in his career. I think when I was in school, maybe he went after some McDonald's all Americans that turned out to be 
you know, not his cup of tea. And now he's just like, Hey, this guy fits the way I want to play. He doesn't have to be a five-star recruit. He can be a three-star, but I know in three, four years, he's going to be great. And that's what he does. And I think that's his greatest trait. And he's done a great job. And it's, it's great for the big East that Villanova can compete for national championships every year. Cause it just, you know, it, it just levitates the, the conference as a whole, because without Villanova, you know, the, the conference wouldn't be nearly as uh, legit. I don't think. Heard the big TBT news this week. You getting shots up? What kind of shots? <laughs> <laughs> Any kind that make your game as good as it was last time. Yeah, I still, I, I said that we would be in TBT. I didn't say I would be playing. So uh, that's still on me. We'll see. You, you still thinking about that? I can, yeah. I mean, the role that I'm needed for, I, I, I think I could be able to do that until I'm like 70, just catch game winning, shoot, just game winning yeah. daggers. Then, like that's your role. That's your and position. Then, and then just foul so I can check myself out and <laughs> come in on offense again. Yeah. <laughs> well, Travis, thanks so much, man, for coming on. Have a great holiday and maybe we'll get you on again in the second half and hopefully we see some improvement from this team. Oh, we will. We will. Thanks for having me guys. Have a, Thank have you. a Merry Christmas. Same. Thank you too. Thank you again to Travis Steiner for coming on the show. We always appreciate having him on. It's such a joy to break down the game with him. We're going to be on a little bit of a hiatus until January 3rd. I think that's when we play our next game. Uh, But, hey, give us a follow at the Golden Break on Twitter. We're going to keep bringing you great information. And don't forget to ask questions of Dr. Keegan. He loves it. Ask him anything you want. Thanks for the listen. Have a fantastic holiday.